Many of us are stuck in life and relationship ruts, all because we haven't learned or are not using the language of heaven. This message is the 10th in the series, Rudders and Roots. The message is entitled, Guiding and Guarding Your Mouth, Part Two. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. It's a fantastic series we've been involved in, talking about the power of your words. I wanna take you to James chapter three, this beginning point for our series together. It's really the foundational passage uh, that helps us to understand what God is talking to us about in this series together. James chapter three, beginning in verse number two, down through verse number five, it says this, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. We all fail in many areas, but especially with our words. Yet if we're able to bridle the words we say, we're powerful enough to, con- to control ourselves in every way, and that means our character is mature and fully developed. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue, read this part with me, and so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. How many of you would just go ahead and acknowledge tonight that your tongue has gotten you into trouble before, right? All of us would say, yep, maybe in the last hour or so even, but certainly in, in some point in time in your life, your tongue has gotten you in trouble. And there's also been times that your tongue has been a blessing when you've spoken words of encouragement to someone else. You saw how it would light up their life. And so your tongue has the ability to bring in God's presence and God's power to a person's life, or it can actually unleash the forces of hell in a person's life. We've been talking about how do we control our tongues? What does the Bible say about how we are to handle our words? How do we learn what I've been calling the God language? How do we learn to speak the way God wants us to speak? And even as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to learn the language of heaven. We don't, we don't naturally understand how God wants us to speak. We have to learn from his word how to speak words that are in agreement with his character, in agreement with his nature, and in agreement with his word. And so it's a practice thing, just like anything, just like learning any language, you have to learn how to speak the language of heaven. And so we've sort of been in vocabulary and language lab for the last several weeks, and we'll continue in that for several more weeks leading into Easter. But I want to talk to you tonight about one thing when it comes to your tongue. Last week, I talked about the importance of your words to God, and we talked about the, the power of prayer. And we're talking about guiding and guarding our, our, our mouth now as a part of this series. But I want to talk to you about one primary thing this evening, one major thing I'm going to give you that I want you to remember, and it's the first thing you'll write down on your notes. If you're going to speak God's words effectively, you have to learn to first check the condition of your heart. That's the phrase I want you to write down. Check the condition of your heart. You might say, well, I thought we're talking about our mouth, Pastor. Why are you talking about heart? Well, I'm going to show you tonight the correlation, the connection between your heart and your mouth. The Bible is very clear. There are many places in Scripture where God very clearly talks to us, reminds us of how attentive He is to our hearts. And then we'll see in just a moment the connection of your heart to your mouth. Now, when I talk about your heart, I'm not talking, just to clarify it from the very beginning, I'm not talking about your physical organ, the heart that you that beats 60, 70, 80 times a minute. I'm not talking about that beating dimension of your, your own physical body, but I'm talking about the inner portion of your being, your soul, we might say. Your heart, your soul, we often use those words together. So I'm talking about the character of your life, the innermost part of your being, the way that you relate to God, yes, and the way you relate to people, that inner part of your life. And God very clearly talks to us over and over again about the condition of our heart. God is concerned about the condition of your heart. I'll give you one example of this. I'll show you how important your heart is to God. 
You might know this story. I'll take you back in history just a bit so you'll be reminded of it. There was a time in Israel's history when Saul, as the first king of Israel, had messed up big time and God says, I'm done with you. I'm going to get another king. And so he called Samuel, who was the prophet at that time, to go to the house of a man by the name of Jesse and to ask Jesse to bring all of his sons together. And so Jesse calls, he had, Jesse had eight sons, but he only calls seven of them to the gathering with Samuel. And so they all come together. And here is Samuel the prophet because God has told him at Jesse's house out of his sons will be the next king of Israel. I'm going to show him to you and you're to anoint him with oil so that he'll become the next king. And so Samuel goes to Jesse's house, the seven sons are there, and, and Samuel begins to look over the situation and look over all the seven sons that were there. And of course, his eyes immediately go to the, to the oldest, oldest young man that's a part of the family. Let me read for you in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 6, what happened. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, that was the oldest son, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. So Samuel sees Eliab, the oldest, he looks like a king, he's got a good stature about him. He's obviously more mature than the other boys. He's the oldest. And so Samuel just immediately in his natural thinking says, this has got to be the right guy. It's got to be him. Now notice how God responds to him in verse number seven of 1 Samuel 16. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or height for I have rejected him. Notice this, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So God says, no, no, Samuel, you got it all wrong. You're looking at him. And he, he looks like a king outwardly, but you can't see. You don't have spiritual x-ray vision. You're not seeing like I see. Men, people look at the outward appearance, but I'm looking inside Eliab's heart, and I see something in his heart that you can't see. He's not really kingly material. He's not the guy that I'm looking for. And of course, he goes on, and eventually David is the guy that uh, God was looking for, and David was anointed. But let me show you how accurate God is. I mean, you know that God's accurate. When God sees something and says something is right, God's always accurate. So let's go just another chapter over. I want, you to show, I want to show you how accurate God was about Eliab. Notice in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now, this is the story of David coming on the battlefield where Goliath is now withstanding the army of Israel. And, and, and David has stepped up and said, I'm going to fight Goliath. And I want you to see the heart of Eliab come out because Eliab was there in that situation. When Eliab, David's oldest, oldest, oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, heard David speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and said, and asked, why have you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. What did Eliab say to David? Instead of encouraging him, when David stepped up to fight the battle, Eliab said, your, your heart is wicked. Well, it wasn't David's heart that was wicked. Whose heart was wicked? Eliab's heart was wicked, and God knew that. See, God knows your heart. God knows you inside and out. God knows me inside and out. He knows what is in your heart. And the Bible is very clear about God's attention to our hearts and God's concern about your heart. God is really concerned about who you are, who I am, who we are on the inside. Listen to Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. The human heart is most deceitful and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I know, I the Lord search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their dear rewards according to what their actions deserve. So God says this heart thing can be very diseased. It is very diseased. But God says 
You can't even know it yourself, but God says, I know, I know your heart. I know what's really going on with you. Every person here tonight, God knows what's going on in your heart, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows everything about us. I don't say that to make you afraid or to cause you to feel condemned because there's hope in this message tonight. There's tremendous hope in this message. I'll, I'll bring you to that in just a moment. But it starts with a recognition that God is looking at our hearts. Second Chronicles 6.30. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place. This is a prayer that's being prayed to God at, at the dedication of the temple. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Forgive and deal with each man according to all he does. Since you know his heart. Read the rest with me. For you alone know the hearts of men. Who alone knows your heart? God does. So you can fool people. We can all fool people. We can put on a, a, we can put on a, a fake presence to someone. We can, we can present ourselves in certain ways. But you can never fool. You can never fake out God. God knows exactly who and what we are. And so even though we come into this world with a defective and sinful heart, our spiritual heart can be cured. It can be reformed. It can be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit at work inside of us. But God, God's work, of transformation in your heart cannot happen without your cooperation. You have to allow him to do that work inside of you. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. This is part of the prayer that you and I need to pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So there's again a prayer that David prayed. We'll come to some more of his prayers in just a moment. So God's attention is focused on your heart. Right now in this gathering place this, this weekend, God is looking not just on our outward appearance. God could really care less how you're dressed, okay? God really concern, is concerned with your heart because if your heart gets right, everything else in your life will be right, amen? If your heart gets right with God, you don't, other stuff in your life starts cleaning up. I had a conversation with a person not too long ago who started attending our church through a, through a baby dedication. They were invited to church because of a baby dedication. And didn't know Jesus at all, but that service during a baby dedication, they gave their life to Christ and opened their heart to Him, and they were genuinely born again. They received Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. And he began to tell me what happened in the subsequent weeks. He said, nobody talked to me about any of the habits that I had going on in my life that were bad and evil and sinful. No one ever told me to stop them, but little by little, those things started dropping away from my life. Why? Because... God changed his heart, and when his heart was changed, other things began to change in his life as well. And that's exactly God's plan. He wants to get to your heart, because if he can get to your heart, he can get to every realm of your life. Now, I want you to notice this. There's a connection between your heart and your mouth. There's a connection between your heart and the words that you speak. See, your words tell a story and they reveal what's going on in your heart. How do you know what's going on in your heart? You know what's going on in your heart by listening to your words. Whatever you have in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth. The Bible's very clear about this. And so if you want to know what's in your heart, you have to listen to the words you're speaking because your words will reveal the condition of your heart that God wants to work on. And so your, your words are extremely important and connected to your heart condition. How do you know somebody? How do you get to know someone? By talking to them, right? 
That's how you, get, you have conversations with them. The more conversations you have with them, the more you get to know them. And they, they, they reveal the contents of their heart. I want to know your heart. How do you know somebody's heart? You listen in conversation with them. Now, this is very true in our relationship with God. Listen to Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 37. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders of his day. Is everybody still with me so far? Okay, very important. We get this line upon line tonight. And he's speaking to religious leaders of his day, and he says, you brood of snakes. I mean, that's a good way to start a conversation. <laughs> you bunch of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? So they were, they were evil, they were, they were religious on the outside, but they were not committed to God on the inside. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Read that with me. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Now he goes on to explain, Jesus does. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak, the word you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Now that's very powerful, is it not? Jesus says you better pay attention to your words because your words are being recorded in heaven because your words are actually revealing something. Your words are revealing the condition of your, what's the most important thing in your life? Your heart. How do you know your heart? You say, God, search me. Help me to know my heart and you listen to your conversations. What am I saying? What's coming out of my mouth? Because my mouth is revealing what's going on inside of me. And I will give an account to God one day for it. Proverbs 16, 23 says, A wise person's heart controls his speech. And what he says helps others learn. And so if you're wise, you begin to control your speech because you know it reveals wisdom of your heart. So... Here's what I want to, where I want to spend the bulk of my time tonight. I want to ask you a few questions. This is a heart checkup. You're going to the holy cardiologist tonight, okay? So we're going to put you on a spiritual treadmill tonight. We're going to put all those little, little leads all over you and check you out this evening and see how you're doing because I want you to think about the condition of your heart and the words of your mouth and that connection together. So I'm going to talk to you about some of the things that you can carry around in your heart that oftentimes you're not even aware of. Things you have down here that can start coming out here and affect the quality of your life because the power of life and death is where? In your tongue. If you have death in your heart, what will be in your tongue? Death. If you have life in your heart, what will be in your, your words? Life. Okay. So I want to talk to you about 10 things. I'm going to give you 10 things tonight. This is a checkup okay? that you and I need to be aware of. It's kind of an ongoing list. It's good to keep it around from time to time and go back and think about it in your life. But 10 things that you need to be aware of that can potentially get into your heart that will affect the words of your mouth. Number one is hurt. Your, your heart is prone to being hurt, is it not? Have you ever had your heart hurt before? We say things like, they broke my heart, okay? What do you mean they broke my heart? Did someone get a little hammer and crack your heart? No, when they broke my heart, something really hurt me on the inside. And there are many people that go through their entire life holding on to painful things inside of them. They never bring those painful things to God. They never really seek a restoration or healing for those painful things. And they go through their entire life holding on to their pain, holding on to their hurt. Sometimes their pain and their hurt becomes sort of an idol in their life. It's, become, it's their identity. If you ask them who they are, they tell you how they're hurt. Okay? 
You find out who they are, you try to discover something about them, and they're, they're always talking about their pain, or certainly they're holding on to their pain on the inside. And I will tell you that if you carry hurt around in your heart, is it going to affect what you say to people? If you carry hurt around in your heart, is it going to affect how you relate to people? If you carry hurt around in your heart, it's going to affect the trajectory of your life, what you choose to do with your life. Oftentimes what will happen is you'll live life very defensively because I don't want to get hurt anymore, okay? I've been hurt in the past, and so I've got these walls that are up, so I don't want to get hurt anymore, and so I'm very reserved in my relationships, uh, very reserved about my life, and so if you're not careful, hurt can get find its way into your heart, and it affects the relationships of your life and the words that you speak. So my first question tonight, how are you doing on the hurt aspect of things, the hurt scale? Are you carrying some pain around inside of you that it's time to get rid of? It's great to know that Jesus is the healer of the brokenhearted. He's the one that's able to take things in us and restore us, but we have to be willing to let him do that work in our lives. We can't just sit back and sort of hope it happens. We have to open ourselves to him and say, God, this is where I'm hurting. I need your grace and your power to transform me. Sometimes it involves getting other people connected in your life and getting in community where you can open up your hearts and your hurt to other people so that they can pray for you and they can help you through that process and getting involved in something that's therapeutic for your life. But you need to heal the hurts. Why? Because the hurts will affect how you live your life. You live your life out of your heart, okay? Your words will reflect that. The second thing that can get into our hearts would be offenses. It's very much connected to hurt, but not everyone that's hurt is necessarily offended. You can be hurt and not really offended at someone. You're just hurt. Yeah. You carry the hurt inside of you. But sometimes hurt turns into an offense. What is an offense? An offense is a grudge inside of you. It's a grudge you're carrying against someone because of something they said or something they did or something you perceive they said or they did, and it keeps bothering you. You may not remember it all the time, but every once in a while or for some, in some situations quite regularly, it kind of pops back up again and you remember it and you know it because you feel angry and you feel that moment, I want to get back at them for what they did to me. They hurt me in some way. Again, hurt does not necessarily lead always to a grudge or lead to an offense, but probably eight out of 10 times it does. So you have this hurt inside of you. Now I want to pay them back for what they did to me. You nurse a grudge. You hold on to it on the inside. And there are lots of people far more than would admit it, far more even believers than would admit it, they're walking around not only with a hurt inside of them, but with a grudge against somebody. Something that's found its way into their heart. Can I ask you this? If you have an offense towards someone, do you think it's going to affect the words you speak? Of course it will. That when you talk about them, how will you talk about them? In very negative terms. How will you relate to people? You relate out of your pain and out of your offense. The third one that I want you to write down is actually two words that kind of go together, resentment and bitterness. Are you seeing the sequence here? Hurt, an offense, a grudge you're nursing because something you feel like someone said, did to you or perceived that they did in your life. And then that leads potentially to resentment and bitterness. Now we're getting, getting deeper. Resentment is, is more than just a grudge. Resentment now has hardened your heart. You now have a hardness inside of you and you're carrying malice and so you want them to hurt in some way. 
It's not just, I want to get them back for what they did. You want their life to, to really be miserable. There's a malice you carry around inside of you. And again, it may not occupy your thoughts all the time, but it's down there. You feel a resentment. When someone mentions that person's name, again, it's more than just anger that comes up. There's a malice that rises in your heart. It affects the words of your mouth. You can actually have malice in your heart and resentment and bitterness, not just to an individual, but to groups of people that you can carry in your soul. It affects your communication. It affects how you speak. Jesus said, your words reveal your heart. And so resentment and bitterness, this hardness now that is formed inside of you. And there's nothing worse perhaps than seeing a a bitter person. You ever met a bitter bitter person before? They're not fun to be around. Because if you have bitterness towards someone, before long you become bitter toward everything. You get soured in your life about pretty much everything. And, you know, what's worse than just a bitter person is a bitter old person, okay? Because now they're not bitter, but they're bitter and old, okay? And they kind of work together. And so what you want to do, you want to get sweeter and sweeter, not more bitter and bitter, amen? Not more sour and sour over life. And so you want to work through that bitterness. And so we've looked at three so far. What are they? Hurt. Number two is what? Offenses. Number three is resentment and bitterness. Are you ready for number four? How's your heart tonight? Those little, those little lines starting to go up and down quite a bit. For some of you, the next one's going to really take a dip or up. One of the jealousy. Carrying jealousy around in your heart. What is jealousy? Oh, we, we kind of know what it is, but let's talk about it for, for a moment. We don't, we don't talk about it very often, do we? Jealousy is envying somebody else's success or somebody else's advantage in life. Your perception that they're... They're more successful than you are. They have more than you. They have an advantage that you don't have in life. And so what you do when you're jealous, you live with a comparison of your life with somebody else's life. And this is the world that we live in tonight, today. So many people are expending huge amounts of energy comparing their lives with somebody else's life. And anytime you compare your life with someone else's life, it's never going to be an even, even deal. It will never be even. Either, either you will exalt yourself above them and think that, oh, I've got a better life than they do, or you will create an inferior mindset to, to your life based upon theirs. And either way, it's unhealthy for you to compare yourself with anyone else. God didn't bring you on planet Earth to cause you to spend your life, your entire life, comparing yourself with the people around you. He wants you to be you and to live the life He called you to live, to get in your lane and stop worrying about anybody else's lane. Amen? Okay? Just get in your lane, okay? And live your life that God has called you. You don't need to compare yourself with anyone else. And so many of us are carrying this comparison in our life toward other people and that jealousy that we feel about somebody else's life. And social media has really exacerbated this. Are you hearing me? There's a lot of benefits to social media, a lot of good things that can happen in terms of that dimension, communication that can occur. But I will tell you the downside of it is very dangerous. When you spend hours upon hours flipping through Facebook and comparing your life with somebody else's life, you're never going to be a winner after that, okay? Because other people's lives always look more glamorous than your life because Facebook is fake, okay? Are you hearing me, okay? In some sense, okay? Because people are going to give you the highlight reel of their life, okay? They never, they never generally post things in their, about the worst parts of their life. They're going to post what seems to be the best parts of their life, okay? And so what happens is you're, you're taking your miserable day, comparing it to this awesome vacation somebody had, okay? 
And you're comparing your burnt toast to somebody's amazing meal, okay, right? Okay. You're comparing your life in certain ways that's just completely unfair for you to do. And so you have to be extremely careful. Can I say this to you tonight? That if, monitor yourself with social media. Amen? And monitor your kids with social media. Did you hear that? Why? Because your kids, when they get on social media and they discover that somebody else was invited to a party that they weren't invited to or somebody else got to do something that they didn't get to do and suddenly now it's creating for them this, this, whole, this whole jealousy, envy, comparison kind of thing. And I'm not saying that it's all bad, but I'm just saying we, the devil will eat your lunch with jealousy, okay? There are a lot of people who are eaten up on the inside comparing their lives with somebody else's. Everybody good so far? Turn to your neighbor and say, you needed that. Go and tell them you needed that. You needed that, okay? Number five, how's your heart doing? Are we okay? Number five is lust. When lust gets into your heart, is it going to affect your words, your behavior? Absolutely. What is lust? Let me tell you what lust is. As soon as I mentioned the word lust, nine out of ten of you thought from a sexual perspective. And that's a part of it. I understand that. I get that. But lust is not linked just to that. Let me give you the definition of lust. Lust is uncontrolled and inappropriate desire for something. You can lust after a car. Are you hearing me? You can lust after a house. You can lust after a position. You can lust after all kinds of things. Let me give you the definition again in case you didn't write it down. It's uncontrolled and inappropriate desire for anything uncontrolled, inappropriate desire for anything. So when you have this inappropriate, uncontrollable desire for something, then this des your desires can be good and your desires can be wonderful if they're controlled and if they're appropriate. Correct? Okay? When your desires are appropriate and controlled and there are boundaries to your desires, that's an awesome thing. Hunger leads you to eat, right? And it's a desire. And so it, and you can have a great meal. You can enjoy that. But if you, just, if you eat all the time, that's a problem, right? Okay, so you've got to understand that, that any kind of desire you have in your life has boundaries to it, and there needs to be an appropriate dimension of this. And so it can get out of control in your life. And so when you're feeding yourself with uncontrolled appetites and desires from every realm, any and every realm of life, what does it do to you on your heart? It's a heart disease, okay? It's a heart disease. It's going to affect the words that you speak. It's going to affect the way you live your life. It's vital to understand. And by the way, let me say this. What you watch and what you listen to is what generally feeds lust in your life. I'm just going to give you a heads up. Advertisements are designed to create lust. Now, advertisement can be good. It tells you about a product. But generally, they make you have an uncontrollable desire to pull out your plastic credit card and buy exactly what they're telling you to buy, right? Because you need this. You really don't need this, but they tell you you need this. And so there's this thing that happens. Boy, I'm preaching tonight. I'm telling you. It's getting a little quiet in here, right? And then people get head over heels in debt, buying things they can't afford. And before long, it affects their marriages and it affects their attitudes. It affects their behavior. It affects the words that they speak. It affects every realm of life. I mean, you know your heart's important, right? And so make sure you guard it. Number six, it might be an interesting one for you, but I'll give it to you anyway. Number six is suspicions in your heart. Let me tell you what a suspicion, what I mean by evil imaginations about people. That person doesn't like me. I know they don't like me. 
How do you know they don't? Well, they didn't smile at me today. They didn't speak to me today. So how many you know that your mind can create all kind of things going on, all kind of fantasies can start ha- You can build a whole case against someone in your head with no real facts, right? Have you ever done that before? Anybody ever been fooled by your first impression of someone until you really got to know them, and then once you got to know them, you realized that your first impression was completely false, but you built a mindset and a reaction to that person based upon your initial perceptions of them and your, your imaginations of what they were like, and you didn't really even know them. How many times that we go through life, we have these evil, suspicious imaginations in our head about other people. It gets into our heart. It affects our interactions, the words that we speak. And so the Bible refers to this as evil imaginations or suspicions. I'll talk more about that, I believe, next week as a part of this series. Number seven is distrust. Distrust getting in your heart. It's a refusal to believe. Here's the definition that I'm giving you for distrust. I hope you're writing these down. Refusal to believe the best about God and others. Refusal to believe the best about God and others. That's distrust. When I don't believe the best about God, I don't trust Him. When I don't believe the best about others, I don't trust them. See, love has an element of trust in it. I've got three more. How's your heart doing? Number eight, another thing that can get in your heart would be disappointments. They disappointed me. They hurt me. They didn't fulfill my expectations. And so a lot of people are walking around frustrated about unfulfilled expectations they have in their heart. And it gets in their heart. Once it gets in your heart, it'll come out of your mouth in conversations. Because I'm frustrated about it. Because they didn't meet my expectations. They didn't do what they said they were going to do. And so we build this stuff up inside of us. And before long, it's affecting every realm of our life. And then number nine, worry and fear. Worry and fear gets into your heart. Boy, we all know about that one, don't we? We get worried about something, it gets down on the inside of us, and we, that's all we can talk about, okay? We become afraid of something, it gets down inside of us, and that fear comes out of our mouth. Then the last one, I'll mention here, actually, there are three words that go with the last one. Write them down. Hatred, prejudice, and contempt in your heart. Boy, it's really quiet in this place tonight. I'm not sure why, okay? All of you are thinking deeply, I'm sure. Let's talk of hatred, Prejudice and contempt. Say this with me. Hatred, prejudice, and contempt. Hatred can get in your heart. You know that we're living in a culture today where there's a lot of hate going on, right? Right? Okay. Where is that hate? Where is it? It's in people's what? Heart. Why did they say hateful things? Because hate is in their heart, okay? If you have love in your heart, you say loving things. If you have hate in your heart, what do you say? You say hateful things, right? So hate is a heart issue. It's not, it's not a, just a societal issue. It's a spiritual issue. Got it? Okay? It's not just a political issue. It's a spiritual issue, right? It's what's going on in people's hearts. And so hatred, and then what was the next word I gave you? Prejudice. What is prejudice? Prejudice is prejudging someone. It's judging someone before you really know them, Okay? It's forming an opinion of someone before you really know anything about them, okay? It's forming an opinion about someone on the basis of not any facts at all. You just decided, I'm going to think this way about particular people or a particular group of people or a particular person. You can have prejudice toward an individual. And so prejudging, you've decided in your mind how you're going to view a certain person or people, and you carry that in your heart. And does it affect your words? Oh, you better believe it, okay? 
And so we've got this thing called hatred that can get in our heart. It affects our words. Prejudice can get in our heart, and, and it affects our words. What was the last one I gave you? Contempt. What is contempt? Contempt is when you view someone as less than you are. You look upon them with a disrespect. They have a disdain for them. There's a sense of, of what we might say, looking at them and, and determining they're, 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 they're deserving of being dismissed. Well, I don't, I don't want to give them any attention. or any, They deserve to be dismissed. There's disrespect that you carry inside of you. And so when this stuff gets in your heart, it creates effects in your life. That's why Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, what's going on in your heart will affect what comes out of your mouth. That's why we're talking about in this series, change your words, change your life. You can't change your words unless you're paying attention to your, to your heart. Okay. Now let's take a look at some verses that will help us with this. You might say, well, my goodness, I, I, didn't, I didn't do so well on that test tonight. I've got some of that stuff in my heart. What do I do? Okay, well, join the human race, okay? And understand that God's come to help you with your heart. Isn't that good to know? Even the psalmist David understood this. As, as wonderful of a man as he was, he understood that he got things in his heart at times that he needed help with. And I want you to read together with me Psalm 19, verse 14 from the Passion Translation. It'll be on the screen. I'm not sure if it's on your notes, but it certainly will be on the screen. Why don't we read it together loud and loudly? Here we go. So may the words of my mouth, my meditation, thoughts, and every movement of my heart be always pure and pleasing, acceptable before your eyes, my only Redeemer, my protector, God. Listen to it again as I read it. David prayed this prayer. May the words of my mouth, my meditation, thoughts, and every movement of my heart. So you see the connection between the heart and the mouth? God, may it always be pure and pleasing, acceptable before you, your eyes, my Redeemer, my protector, God. Psalm 51, verse 10. Read it with me. Create a new, clean heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. I'm glad that that prayer is in the Bible, aren't you? I love that prayer. It's a prayer that I have to pray regularly in my life. And so it's a prayer that you can pray tonight where you say, God, would you create a new, clean heart within me? Would you fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you? And I promise you, it's a prayer in the Bible. If it's a prayer in the Bible, can we be sure that God will answer it? He certainly will. Last story I want to give you. Anybody know the name Isaiah in the Bible? When you think of Isaiah, what do you think about? Prophet, right? Incredible prophet. Would you agree? An incredible prophet. 66 books of the Bible. 66 chapters, I should say, of, of, of Isaiah. And there's 66 books of the Bible. And so Isaiah has a major, major portion of Scripture. Isaiah gives us tremendous messianic prophecies of the coming of Christ. And places like Isaiah 53. Isaiah was a phenomenal guy. But Isaiah had to deal with stuff just like you and I do before he entered into his ministry. I want you to look with me in Isaiah chapter 6. With this, we're going to conclude tonight. The first eight verses. We're talking about cleaning up your heart, and the cleaning of your heart affects your mouth. Isaiah writes and says, In the year the king Uzziah died, a lot we could talk about there. I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And so Isaiah says, it was in that year. I remember the year. I remember the year that it was. It was in the year that King Uzziah died. And in that year, I I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filling the temple. And the angels were crying, the seraphim and the cherubim were all around. They're flying about and I see them in a a heavenly kind of vision. And they were calling, verse 3, they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Would you say that's an amazing vision? Tremendous. I mean, you, you think about visions. What a vision. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Now, stop there with me for a moment. Here's Isaiah in the midst of this incredible vision. He's seeing God on his throne. He's seeing the angels flying around. He's seeing them in descriptive nature. They're crying out, and he hears them crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, let me ask you, how do you think you would have responded in a situation like that? I think that's a great place for a praise service, don't you? Okay. I think it's a great place to start just worshiping and joining in with worship, but not Isaiah. Well, you notice what Isaiah does. What are the next words that Isaiah speaks here? What are they? Woe to me, I cried. What? I thought this was supposed to be like a happy celebration thing. You're in the presence of Almighty God. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. So he's in the presence of the Holy God, enjoying all this amazing vision. And he says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. Why are you ruined, Isaiah? For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. What was Isaiah concerned about in the presence of a holy God? What was he concerned about? What was the thing that made him say, I am ruined? He recognized what? Unclean lips. Unclean lips, unclean heart. Unclean heart, unclean lips, unclean lip, unclean heart. So in the midst of this, he cries out. I'm ruined. I want you to notice what God does. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. So this angel flies down, Isaiah see it, and grabs with tongs, grabs a hot coal off of the altar and flies back to where Isaiah is. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Aren't you glad that God is able to clean up your lips? When he cleans your lips, he can clean your heart. When he cleans your hearts, he can clean your lip. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Here's what I want to conclude with tonight. When you and I begin to allow God to touch our hearts and our lips with fire from the altar, by being honest with God and confessing to God where we are with our sin, where we are with things that are in our heart. We don't live with hopelessness. God comes and He takes that, that coal from the altar. He will touch your life. He will clean you up. He begins a transformation process. Then He says to you, I need somebody to go. I need somebody to speak. I need someone to voice my, my word to the world. Whom shall I send? Who will go for me? And then because of what God's done in you, you can say, here am I. Send me. See, Isaiah couldn't be sent until he was cleansed. Isaiah couldn't go forth with the word until something touched his lips and touched his heart. The good news is that God is able to do that in your heart and your life tonight. 
I conclude with this. Remember, always remember, as you go through your life, as I go through my life, we remember together that what's in your heart affects what comes out of your mouth. And we'll also continue as the next couple of weeks and talk about what you speak with your mouth will also affect what happens in your heart. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray? Father, thank you for your word this evening. We're grateful for the word of God. We're thankful that you call us to a new and fresh life before you. Thank you that you're able to cleanse our hearts, Lord. And we come tonight as people who can very easily say exactly what Isaiah said. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. Lord, there are many times that our lips are unclean because our hearts are unclean. And I pray that tonight you would begin a process of cleaning up our hearts down on the inside. Let there be nothing there, Lord God, that would hinder us from being effective vessels used by you so that we can hear your voice saying, whom shall I send? Who will go? And we can say before you, here am I, send me. Seal this word by your Holy Spirit in every life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.